information, interviews, debates, and discussion, plus an occasional rant with Bob Slider behind the board. This is the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe. Welcome back. Your dreams were your ticket out. Welcome back. Welcome back, my friends. Hour number two of the Watchdog Morning Show for a Wednesday, midweek edition. It's 8 10, 10 minutes after the hour here uh, in the Watchdog Morning Show studio. 61 degrees, Wheeling, Ohio County Airport. 61 at the Highlands. 63 in my backyard in Elm Grove. And 60 degrees at the Robinson Auto Group Studios, downtown Wheeling, here in the heart of the Ohio Valley. Mixture of clouds and sunshine throughout the day today. More sunshine than clouds. Uh, temperatures in the low 70s, 72, 74, roaming around there. Uh, another great day tomorrow. Highs in the low 70s, a few passing clouds, but mostly a sunny day tomorrow. Friday, sunny, and uh, we'll be in the upper 70s. Saturday, sunny, the low 80s. Sunday, sunny, and in the mid-80s. And Monday, mainly sunny with temperatures in the upper 80s and may push into the 90s for your Labor Day. That's your Ohio Valley forecast here uh, from Storm Tracker 7 and the folks over at WTRF-TV. It is 8-11. Mike Pushkin coming up, State Democratic Party chair, in just a few minutes. But uh, I don't want I'm, I don't I really don't want to make so much fun about this, but it is it, it's it's just a crazy story. I want to go back to, well, the gun fat. Uh, story we had yesterday was two girls, two women were at the ball game. What, where was it? Cubs? It was in Chicago. The, the ballpark used to be referred to as Kaminsky, Kaminsky Park, Field. but they they sold the rights, and I'm not sure what businesses. But it was it was a, it was a Cubs game. It was a White Sox. White Sox. All right, in Chicago. All right, sorry. So I forget about the White Sox. I think of the Cubs all the time in Chicago. So uh, they go. They're at a White Sox game, and they get shot. They get shot. Gunshot. Again, the image I had in my head was a couple of girls out for a fun night at the ball game, and like a sniper on the roof shoots. And so I didn't think, had no idea what was going on. This happened last Friday. Nobody knew what happened. We have since learned uh, that it uh, it was actually one of the girls themselves, one of the women themselves, who smuggled a gun in in her belly fat. It fell out of her belly fat, hit the ground, went off, shot her, and then ricocheted and got her partner her friend yes now here is my next question mr slider because you're my expert on this did no one see the gun come out and where did the gun go again when i give it more thought that's exactly what i thought okay they think it happened just like you described but they, there was no gun. Again, it wouldn't have been a mystery if the lady was there holding her leg and the gun was laying there. But she had the presence of mind. <laughs> Did she I put it back in her belly fat? She concealed it somewhere, Howard. So maybe they'll get to the bottom of this. Still, there's a lot of questions Don't unanswered. Don't, Don't say bottom. Somewhere, Howard. Somewhere on her body. Now, look. Funny story because it, it, it had a, an ending where it wasn't tragic. But I'll tell you this. If I'm sitting there in, I think it was the bleachers where this happened, and I got one of my sons or both my sons with me, I'm mad at the woman, obviously, but I am really jacked at the way. How do you let this happen? Body fat, body cavities, wherever she had this gun, how in the world does it, do you let that happen? Maybe it was, she was, I don't know how, maybe it was a small gun. I don't know. My question, and, and it's... It's, it's, I guess, semi-serious, all right? You know, in addition to metal detectors and purse checks and bag checks, are we going to have to start having fat checks, belly checks? 
See what's inside there? Excuse me, ma'am. You've got rolls. I now need to inspect you. Do we have to check and see what's in there? And I'm I'm only half being joking about it. It just it's um, you know it's something that we need to think about. So uh, the story is it's a like Bob says it's kind of a humorous story, simply because we have um, no, nobody in the end nobody was seriously hurt, and the only people who were hurt at all was the woman who snuck the gun in in her belly fat. Yeah, but I still think you got to throw the book at him, Howard. I th- I think well, you you have to come down hard on not. Major League Baseball has had a rough week. I don't know if you caught this or not. I believe the game was in Colorado, Denver, playing the Atlanta Braves. This fan jumps out of the stands, goes to the outfield, and confronts. I I don't think it was friendly. I don't think it was like we all have that vision when Hank Aaron broke Babe Ruth's uh, record of the two white guys that jumped and and rounded the bases with him, congratulating him. It's not one of those deals. Uh, The first guy gets to the Atlanta Brave player, and – kind of confronts him, kind of puts his hands on him. Security comes out. Another fan, I guess one of his friends, now comes and knocks the Atlanta – I can't remember his name. Knock, he had a hell of a game. I think he had five hits in the game. Knocked the Atlanta Brave player down, and now security has two players they have to subdue. If they have any kind of weapon on them, this could have really been tragic. And then it was, it was after this fiasco in Chicago. So it's no longer just uh, take me out to the ball game. Take me out. <laughs> they to don't the want ball peanuts game. and cracker jacks, Howard. Yeah, they, they, want want some, they want some bullets. They, they want something. But I just hiding a gun. And you know, I guess we we've we've turned this into a joke, and maybe that is our mistake. We should not do that. Guns were involved. She smuggled a gun into a baseball stadium. Yeah, it sounds funny because she smuggled it in her belly fat. But she smuggled a gun in. It went off. It was accidental. But here's my other question. Why did she have the gun? What was she planning to do in there? I'll keep you posted. Maybe we'll have more on this story on Slatter on Sports tomorrow. I mean, I'm not I'm not being funny here. I mean, does she always carry a gun in her belly fat? Or did she bring that into the stadium for a particular reason? I can't believe. Again, if you and I were buddies, if you and I go to a ball game, and I know well, you just all, shot no, your... You're not, you're not suggesting I've got enough belly fat to hide a gun in, are you? Somebody suggested a bazooka, Howard, but uh, we won't go there. But I'm saying, if I know my friend, my good friend Howard Monroe, we're getting, we're, we've been watching a ball game, it's the fourth inning, and I realize that you just shot yourself in the leg and you shot me in the belly, I think I'm going to be laying there saying, my friend just shot me in the belly. There would be no mystery <laughs> on where the bullet come from. So that, think about that. You imagine it's not like a pirate game, Chicago. There's there's more people there in the stands. Nobody saw this. Nobody realized what really happened. And and the woman with the bullet in her belly didn't say, "My goodness, my friend just shot me in the belly." And you know, I mean, it does not sound to me. Again, the image we had a couple days ago, I had this, you know, like almost a silenced weapon. And I guess, yeah, maybe you didn't you didn't hear it. But a, a gun, what kind of gun was it, did it say? No details on the weapon. Right, the gun comes, rolls out of her belly fat. I think you're still trying to clean it up. Hits right. the ground. It has, to make, it has to make a real shot sound. Not, you know, it's not like, ching, it had to be bang. But, you know, part of it, in all seriousness, people often look away from those fat people. Don't want to look over there. Don't want to look over what, there. What, do you blame them? <laughs> so, anyway, we are at, uh, uh, where are we? 17 after the hour here on the Watchdog Morning Show. Mike Pushkin coming in to join us here in a minute or two. Uh, kept him a little later, longer than, kept him waiting longer than I planned to. But uh, there's been nothing, nothing on the show today since we started at 710. 
has gone to plan. Nothing. So it's only appropriate that Mike is a little bit late. He's not late. I'm late. We'll get to him coming up next. Now at Menard, save big money on your next project with 11% off everything. Update your home's exterior with a coordinated look. Get the Treehouse Outdoor Wall Light for $21.97 after 11% rebate. Visit our lighting showroom or check out all our lighting options on Menards.com. Good through September 4th. Savings are a mail-in rebate. Some exclusions apply. See store for details. Save big money at Creo and Stack Auction Service. We sell the earth and everything on it. From estates to business liquidation, antiques, coins, firearms, real estate, and more. We're also certified appraisers. Creo and Stack can handle it all. Call us now for a free outside consultation. 304-233-3168. Or visit FrioAndStack.com. Licensed in West Virginia, Ohio, and Pennsylvania. Creo and Stack Auction Service. We sell the earth and everything on it. Hail WV. Off the left side, he'll go in untouched. Touchdown, West Virginia. He's There's a confidence this team has. There's a hunger that this team has. And he's in. It's a touchdown to the end zone. And it is a great day to be a Mountaineer wherever you may be. The season starts Saturday, September 2nd on the official radio home for Mountaineer football. Great conversation continues now on the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe. Howard Monroe, brought to you by WVU Medicine. It is so it's sad when good music is played and the first thing that comes to my mind is a commercial. There's that commercial for Ozempic. The, uh, the, well, it's supposed to be a diabetes drug, but people are using it for a weight loss drug now. Oh, 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 Ozempic, it's the same song. That's what comes to mind when I hear it. That's sad. I'm thinking about a commercial instead of good music. 8.20 in the morning here on the Watchdog Morning Show. Uh, Mike Pushkin is here with us, State Democratic Party Chairman, delegate from Kanawha County. And, uh, uh, Mike, I want you to know that absolutely nothing has been on schedule. Nothing has gone right this morning. We've had fun. It's just my, my entire game plan went asunder. So I'm counting on you to help bring me back to some normalcy, if, if that's at all possible. Well, it's it's fine. I, I actually enjoyed uh, you know, sitting on hold and listening to your uh, your discussion about people smuggling firearms into baseball games. <laughs> gonna have I, I actually I didn't know that my colleague Delegate Krause was such a huge baseball fan. Oh, 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 oh. Bazinga! <laughs> Bazinga! Mike, 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 Mike. Um, uh, th- there's a video out. I don't know if there's a video out where she demonstrates how to how to conceal, like, 15 weapons while wearing a mini skirt. Oh, Lord. Oh, my Lord. Okay. I'll, I'll have to send it to you. Yeah, please do. I'd so, be happy to see that. Uh, yeah, I, we've had a rough couple of days here in Kanawha County. Uh, I'm sure you've heard. Yes, uh, indeed. parts of eastern Kanawha County. We had some really horrible flash flooding. And, uh, a, yeah, the folks up in, in, uh, in uh, Witcher Creek and, and uh, Winifred and, and other places have just been hit really hard. It's just devastating up there. So. Uh, well, let, let's talk about that just for, can say for a little prayer for him. That'd be great. What's up? Let's talk about that for a minute. How, how are, I mean, are, are things getting under control now? I, I, 
I, we haven't talked much about that. We were talking about Florida and all the problems down there, but we really haven't talked much about the southern West Virginia area. There was some serious flooding down there. I think you've got National Guard yeah. in there and other folks. Uh, everything getting un- getting under control? How bad is it? Well, the water is starting to you know, recede, and I guess the damage is being assessed. And it, it is, it's just like a, it looks, it's parts of those, those hollers down there just look like war zones right now. Where, I mean, houses kind of washed off their foundation. It was a very, very uh, powerful flood, but just in a, in a couple isolated places. But uh, for those neighborhoods uh, up in eastern Kanawha County, it's just been devastating. Clean up. It was a, it was a short-lived event, but the flood itself was, was a problem, I think. Uh, cleanup yeah. is now underway? Yes, it is. But it, was, it wasn't predicted. There was no real preparation. It was just a, kind of a, a freak uh, you know, a weather event that happened, and it was very hard to predict, a very strange weather pattern that affected it. You know, we have been on this show talking a lot this summer about all of the national weather events that have occurred. It, it has been a very weird weather summer. Uh, you know, the fire in Maui, the wildfires in Canada, hurricane on the West Coast that was a uh, the first of its kind there. This hurricane down in Florida, they say, is going to be a record-breaking one here in our area. We actually had two confirmed tornadoes a few weeks ago, uh, the flash flooding that you guys are. I mean, it's just... It's like it's like I, I, you know I don't know whether you want to believe that you know God is reminding us who's in charge or Mother Nature is playing games with us or you want to talk about climate change but something something this has been a very weird weather summer let's put it that way yeah as was last summer and the summer before that it seems like every year we have these just devastating uh, uh, natural disasters that occur uh, you know every year and they and they seem to be getting worse. Well, let's uh, good uh, we, again. Prayers for all the folks down there who are affected by that flooding, and uh, we hope that the things get uh, get cleaned up. And uh, to suggest back to normal, I know what it's like when homes are off their foundation and destroyed. Things won't get back to normal for some of these people for a long time. But uh, certainly, uh, hope things get back uh, back as close to normal as they possibly can. Uh, I yeah, want to talk about a couple, couple of political things, though. You you were interested in I was intrigued by the governor's appointments to this first foundation board and I guess we should talk to people about what the first foundation board is uh, and how it was supposed to be set up and what it's going to do because the appointments of that board were uh, I'm not sure they seem they seem a little uh, what I want to use off base to me but but what do you let's talk about that what do you think the first foundation board okay. people should understand is how to spend the opioid money basically right yeah, it, there was a, a bill that passed, um, I believe, last session that set up this West Virginia First Foundation uh, board or board of directors, and then they, uh, they will hire uh, – their next move will be to hire an executive director. And it is to determine how the, the money from the, uh, the drug settlements, the, the abatement money that, uh, um, that the state is, is recouping in these drug settlements against these big pharmaceutical companies – manufacturers and distributors of how it will be uh, best, hopefully how it will be best used uh, to address this. I can't even say rectify or make it right because there is no way to make it right. There is no real justice uh, in this. Uh, And I'll I'll just remind folks, because often we forget about this, this is not some sort of windfall, uh, this, this drug settlement money. It's not, you know, free manna from heaven. It came with a with a very uh, huge price tag, very steep cost, and that's the cost in, in human life. Uh, it's destroyed families. Uh, it's wreaked havoc on our economy. It's devastated uh, this part of the country. And West Virginia was right, you know, at ground zero 
for this opioid epidemic. So that's what we're talking about, and that should never be forgotten of what we're talking about. We're talking about why these companies are are are, are settling these these cases and, and giving you know the state these huge amounts of money. We're talking about around a billion dollars that will be put in the hands of a very few people to make this, this, these decisions. So it's very important uh, who's on this board. I want to say, I think, I think the creation of some kind of a board made some sense or some kind of an oversight entity made sense. I mean, you can't just hand out the money willy-nilly, put it in the governor's contingency fund or send it over to a, an agency. Oh, oh, oh. So the board, the, board made, the board makes sense, but the question is who makes up the board and how are they going to divvy this up? Yeah, you're right. The board does make sense, and I believe it was a unanimous vote in both the House and the Senate to pass the bill. But my concern all along has been who's going to be on the board. And it's an 11-member board. Uh, six of the members are elected by regional governments. It's, it's each, each these counties are divided into regions, and their county commission and the, and the uh, other, other governing bodies, municipalities within those regions have selected their six, and they did that on time. They followed uh, the statute and they made their selections on time. Now, I wasn't thrilled about some of the selections, but that was done through a vote. And then the governor gets his five uh, selections that are appointed and then have to be you know, confirmed by the Senate. And he waited. He didn't follow the statute. He waited till about, I think it was exactly six weeks after the deadline of, of when he was supposed to make these appointments. And at least on the surface, uh, it appears that, that these, appointment, these appointments appear to be political. And um, nobody from the from the healthcare realm, and from from my, to my knowledge, uh, nobody in the recovery community. Uh, it, 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 one of the appointees uh, is a um, uh, was a former director of security at uh, you know, the governor's golf resort down in Glade Springs. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, but okay, sure, that makes sense. So they appear to be political. Another uh, appointee, and I'm sure. Look, I'm sure these are all nice people. It's nothing towards them. It's just that I find it very troubling. Like once again, we're talking about money that we're getting because of the devastation wreaked upon this state by these large pharmaceutical companies, the distributors. You know, they they were pushing uh, these highly addictive, highly uh, fatal. Uh, drugs, saying that these are wonder drugs, they're going to cure pain, they're not addictive, and they push this stuff, and we were the test ground for it. And, and we are still uh, trying to dig our way out of this, just the, the, the loss of life, the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the destruction of families, the uh, economic toll that it's wreaked on this state. It's, it's, been, it, it's, it's destroyed this part of the country. And then and it's a, a serious, serious issue for the governor to use this board as it appears uh, to be the you know political paybacks to buddies, it's it's very concerning and it's just sad and it's disappointing. The appointments from the governor were Jefferson County Prosecutor Matt Harvey, former State Homeland Security Secretary Jeff Sandy, a name we all have heard a lot in the past handful of years, Harrison County School Superintendent Doris Stotler, attorney and philanthropist Elise Smith, the wife of Marshall University's President Brad Smith, and a Raleigh County Commissioner Greg Duckworth. Now. To the extent that I know some of these by reputation, they are thinking people who probably have a care and concern about the issue of opioids. The question for me is, and it's not just these governor appointments, uh, Mike, but as I look over the regional appointments as well, there are are some, but there are not a lot of people on this system who have uh, 
expertise, experience with um, addiction or addiction recovery programs. And, and to me, that's a pretty vital part of this board to understand how these things work. Yeah, that's, and that's the part that's really troubling. So to my knowledge, nobody from the you know, recovery community in West Virginia, and I've always felt that the best way that we're going to uh, deal with these, with these issues that have been created is by listening to the people who have life experience, uh, as well as healthcare professionals. And the board is light on healthcare professionals. In fact, the governor's appointees, I believe there are no healthcare professionals. They come more Correct. from, uh, you have a prosecutor, you have a county commissioner, a school board superintendent, uh, the wife of a university president, and I'm, you know, I'm so nothing against these people. I'm sure they're they're very good people. I just, I, it, it, at, on the surface, it appears to be like a political appointment, and it's just sad. Now, I say maybe the governor could have consulted with uh, the director of the Office of Drug Control Policy before making the decisions, but he can't because he hasn't appointed one. And we're now, I think, past nine months, and that office has been vacant. That office is uh, underfunded, if funded at all, and he's left the uh, the vacancy there for the director of the Office of Drug Control Policy now for nine months. So it, it should be a top priority for the governor, but it, it, apparently it's not. There are some in the medical community on the board, not from the governor's appointments, from the regional appointments. Um, there is a doctor on the board from our area, Stephen Corder, who is the medical director of the Northwood Health Systems, is there. They, that agency does deal with addiction issues, so there is at least a, a tangential connection there. Um, so there are some people coming out of the medical community who are involved in there. But again, to the best of my knowledge, there's nobody who is directly, directly involved in providing addiction recovery services. Now, there were some names put up there of, of people who have worked in this field, and they work in that field because of their life experience. And they're people who, you know, have been through hell and got through it and know what it, what it takes to help lead others, uh, uh, you know, out of this disease. And uh, the, the names were put up, but they, just, they weren't selected uh, during the first part of this when the regional um, um, elections were held. And then, you know, we had held out hope that the governor – uh, might put some of these people on the board, but but he did not. And it looks like he chose to use this uh, to uh, um, you know pay off political favors. That's what it appears to be. I, I, I much prefer to talk about policy as opposed to process. And again, the policy part of this is I think that we probably need more addiction recovery, direct addiction recovery specialists on the board. But that's the policy part of it. I am I am bothered not so much about the fact that the governor was late in making his appointments, which he was but that it's, again, a part of an ongoing trend of the governor to do things in his own time. We just had a report this week that the governor is continuing to be delaying, to, continuing to delay filing his Senate finance reports, which were due mm -hmm. over 100 days ago um, when he announced his Senate candidacy, and, uh, and he still hasn't filed those. And they say, well, he's got a complex business, bunch of businesses, and so he can't get all that information together. But again... It's just a, it's a function of not being able to get things done on time. No, I think it's just a refusal to do so. And we have a governor that just doesn't has never played by the rules. That's been his business model uh, for you know, his entire career, and, and that's who's who's running our state. So yeah, he's he's been uh, ignoring the uh, deadline to file his campaign finance reports. It'll be, it'll be very interesting, I think, especially with that bill that that sailed through without any debate. Where we found out that a uh, you know family in southern West Virginia made four and a half million dollars off of a tract of land near Summersville Lake, 
Yes. That passed without any question, without any debate. It'd be interesting to see if, if maybe if any of them are on the governor's uh, you know, the Senate campaign finance report. It'd be interesting to see if any of these folks who, who've been appointed to handle this billion-dollar settlement, it'd be interesting to see if they have any connection to anybody on this finance report. But we don't know because the governor refuses to, uh, to file the report. He refuses to release his calendar to show if he's actually going to work, if he's having a cabinet meetings. Uh, he refuses to pay taxes. He refuses to pay debts with people he does business with. He has refused to pay uh, insurance insurance premiums for the men and women who work in his coal mines. Uh, I could go on. There's a lot of things that the governor fails to do. Mike, let me ask you a, a, a serious political question. You have been very uh, you've been on the show several times with uh, strong criticism of Governor Justice, and all of them I think have been valid. So I'm not saying that's not the case. What's the point of that from a political point of view as a chair of the Democratic Party? Is it your argue, is, is it your thought that Alex Mooney would be easier to defeat by Joe Manchin so you want to diminish uh, Jim Justice? And I'm, I'm not trying to be critical. I'm just, I'm just asking what the, what, the, what the politics of this is. I could be just as critical of Alex Mooney if I wanted to be, but the governor is the chief executive of this state, yeah. and I don't feel he's doing a very good job. Um, and I think it's just... To me, it's just pointing out that where things just aren't getting done, and uh, we need them to be get done. You know, the state needs a, a governor to show up for work. We need a yeah. governor who actually cares about going to the office at the Capitol in Charleston, not so much about getting another office in Washington D.C., which I guarantee, if he gets it, he won't show up there either. Uh, you know, I appreciate somebody who shows up for work. Eighty percent of success is showing up, so that's why I'm, I'm, I'm calling out the governor. Because he deserves it. That's why. And it, it, I know this might be hard to believe, but it's really less political in nature as it is. It's, you know, I love West Virginia, and it's disappointing to see somebody at the helm that's not even at the helm, not doing their job. And, and one, of the biggest, one, of the, you know, one of the biggest issues in this state is how we've been affected uh, by this drug epidemic. And, and the governor cares so little about it that he has left the office of the director – the director of the Office of Drug Control Policy has left that office vacant now for over nine months. Mm-hmm. And yet most people, uh, yourself and others included uh, across the state, most people have suggested that, that the drug problem is one of the single biggest problems we have in the state. Yeah, yes, it is. And it's, uh, that's why it was concerning to see the, the, the nature of these appointments and that uh, and we have nobody representing the you know, families that have been impacted by this, uh, people who have been through it, people with life experience. And uh, it's it's really it's disappointing. I, I wish, well, one time I could come on here and be and, and be more complimentary, but he, he's not given us a whole lot to work with. Let me uh, shift gears. I'll, be, I'll give you an example. Okay, I'll, I'll, be, I'll say something. One of the one of I'll give Governor credit for this. One of the best things that he's done since he's been in office was the creation of the Office of Jobs and Hope. And that, that addresses the drug problem, addresses reentry issues, it addresses job training, rehabilitation. However, year after year, we have to fight to fund that office. And so he created this office, and then it appears to have just left it high and dry, and the funding seems to dry, to, to, uh, to, uh, to dry up for it. So it just hasn't been a priority, maybe because it's not politically expedient. Maybe he feels that this isn't going to help him uh, win his Senate race. But it's his job, and it's a very important part of the job, and it needs to be addressed. Mike, I always appreciate your thoughts on things. Uh, we'll talk again in the near future, I'm sure. Thanks for, thanks for coming in today. 
Uh, thanks for having me on. Always, always enjoy talking to you. All right, we'll talk to you again soon. I appreciate it. Thanks. Right. West Virginia's Democratic Party Chair Mike Pushkin this morning here on the Watchdog Morning Show. Uh, a couple of issues he wanted to get in there. But I just noticed, uh, you know, in, in, in I think of things in terms of politics, Bob, and from a political point of view, I don't know that, um, uh, you, you know, what's, what's the political gain? He spends a lot of time beating on the governor. I guess he gave me his answer. He just thinks the governor's not doing a good job. Um, I always look at things, what's what's the angle being played here? Is it to try to diminish justice to kind of boost up Mooney because they think that Mooney is an easier challenge for Joe Manchin? I don't know. I, I, I think it's all part of the plan, though, Howard, somewhere. And I don't know, how long actually was Jim Justice governor when he was a Democrat? Oh, it wasn't two years, maybe a year. I don't so it wasn't just a couple of weeks? No. No. So, again, I, nothing against Mike. I think Mike's really good, and I love when he joins us. But uh, were they pointing a the finger those two years? Did you, did you say anything then? No, nobody did in the Democratic Party because he was on your team then. Yeah, I'm going to go back. and th- I, I, My memory is that we did. Um, uh, I can't think of his name. The, uh, uh, I, I, uh, Isaac Spunagel was on this show several times criticizing him. But i got to go back and see. Maybe it was before he switched parties. You, you might be right in. So you think it's all just, I know you always do. It always is, Howard. It all comes back to the D or the R, huh? All right, where are we? A dozen to, no, not a dozen. What is wrong with me today? What time? 8.38, that's what time it is. Which is 8.38. Is that 12 till the hour? No, it's 22 till the hour. There you go. Maybe I do need some Pepsi. Good Wednesday morning, everyone. I'm Taylor Long with your 7 News headlines on this August the 30th. Three people in Marshall County pled guilty to felony crimes against children. Marshall County prosecuting attorney Joe Canistrero says 32-year-old Jessica Nolan of Bridgeport, 36-year-old Donald Wilburn, and 22-year-old Emily Miller of Benwood are all sentenced to prison. Nolan pled guilty to three counts of child abuse causing bodily injury by a parent, guardian, or custodian. Wilburn pled guilty to sexual abuse by parent, guardian, custodian, or person in a position of trust and sexual abuse in the first degree. Miller also pled guilty to child abuse causing serious bodily injury by a parent, guardian, or custodian. All of these cases were heard by Judge Richard Wilson in Marshall County Circuit Court. For more details, you can head on over to our website at WTRF.com. Over to Brook County now, construction for their centralized ambulance station has come to a slight halt following tanks that were found beneath the property. After some research was done, officials found out an old gas station used to be there in the 1950s, but these tanks were not on the DEP tank registration. DEP and EPA representatives were dispatched to the site for soil samples. Those lines and tanks have since been removed and officials say preliminary testing has come back clean and no cause for concern. Commissioner Tommy DeSirio says all the proper precautions were taken when the tanks were discovered. He says they are still waiting on some official test results. The project is only set back about a month, but in that time, part of the Part 1 beautification process of the site has taken place with tree removal. And the Wheeling Vintage Raceboat Regatta is receiving its finishing touches. Everything is set to get underway Saturday morning. After their final meeting was held yesterday, the races will be both on Saturday and Sunday at Heritage Port. People will be coming in from all over the country to take part in this year's regatta. All proceeds go towards Easter Seals. 
That was a look at your headlines. Have a wonderful Wednesday. I'm Taylor Long, working for you. Hey there, Dave Weekly here. Metro News Hotline presents what's trending in sports, music, movies, tech, television, and more from a Mountain State point of view. Renowned local and national guests pepper the daily lineup with authoritative insights and commentary on a wide variety of topics from West Virginia high school sports to the financial markets. Join the fun. Every day, Coop and I dip into irreverent discussions with calls, texts, tweets, the question of the day, and the always popular in or out. Metro News Hotline, weekdays from 3 to 6 on Metro News, the voice of West Virginia. Broadcasting from the Ohio Valley, talking about the Ohio Valley. We're live and local. This is the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe. Brought to you by WVU Medicine. Everybody's gone away. Said they're moving to LA. There's not a soul I know around. Everybody's leaving town. I was thinking uh, yesterday, I'm going to be leaving town a lot lately, uh, not because I don't want to be here, because I do enjoy being here, but, you know, it's been a fairly quiet summer, having not done much. We talked about this yesterday, Bob, but um, in uh, in a couple of weeks, uh, actually middle of next week, uh, Nancy and I head off uh, with the Uniglobe team on our Route 66 Part 2. We'll be gone for nine days from the, uh, for down on Route 66. Uh, and then I'm going to be gone much of Christmas week. We're going to be going to, boy, I hope the governor's down there. I hope he's not working on uh, Christmas because we'll be down at the Greenbrier for uh, about a week uh, during Christmas week. Looking forward to that. And my kids got me, I think I've, I know I've said this before, uh, for my birthday, a, um, a family trip that we're going to take to um, Frederick on one of these train trips to go uh, go out for a day and back and going to go over to the Frederick where they used to live and Want to go to Dutch's daughter? It's a great restaurant over there. So uh, didn't do much in the summertime. It looks like the fall and the early winter. I'm going to be doing a lot of things. So I'll be leaving town from time to time, leaving you alone, pal. Well, Howard, on you, your own. You look forward to your vacation. You normally vacation in the fall. That's that's a good time. Yeah, I, we normally do. But yeah, you're right. You're, you're right. But it just seems like there's a lot popped in this year. Uh, well, I'm glad. Anyways, uh, your question. Your question. You raised the question when Governor Justice was a Democrat. Uh, did the D's criticize him off the Frio Stack auction service text line? There were plenty of D's who didn't support Jim from the start. Raising my hand. That comes from Sean Flewarty. Thanks for listening, Delegate uh, Flewarty. Thank so, you very much. Sean says, yes, there were plenty of us who did who did not. And I remember that, but there wasn't too many, was there, Howard? I mean, you remember Sean. I'm sure he... he, I, he I, I, seriously, I, I'm, you, you're going to force me to go back and look because there was a lot of criticism from the beginning, but maybe not from the very beginning. I, I don't... I, I hear you. And I'm, I'm not going to mention names. But I can think of some real good Democrats who were really, really behind him. Right up until he switched parties, and then and then it's like now he's you know he's he's no good. Um, Sean, I'm trying to get you on the show. By the way, since I'm this, since you're listening, you know I've, I've invited you on a couple. Every time I invite Sean to come on the show, he says two things. Yeah, I've been on for a long time. I really need to get on. And then he says, but I can't come on tomorrow. Or I can't come on Thursday. Or I can't come. I've got things to do. And I know he does. He's a busy guy. He's like got a real job. He's got a lot of things he travels for. Uh, you know, I got time tomorrow, Sean. Just uh, mentioning it to you in case you want to come on. Uh, or sometime in the near future, so we can. Well, maybe we'll save him for the second week of the uh, college football season when Pitt 
comes to West Virginia, Howard. Think he'll get thrown out of that game? I don't know. Maybe he'll, maybe he'll have the reminder. Maybe we can do that. We'll remind him to have a good time, but just you know, be careful what you say. Uh, all right. Anyways, thanks for listening, Sean. Always appreciate that. And I do want to get you on the show, so you know, let me know when things work for you and you got some time, and we'll and we will uh, we will do that. Eight forty-five, quarter till the hour here on the Watchdog Morning Show. Uh, all right, a story I just want to throw out here. Remember last week, uh, McCabe and I on Friday were talking about the idea of, of starting school early in Ohio County. And one of the things that we said was in order to do it right, they're probably going to have to hire more buses and maybe more bus drivers. And John pointed out quite correctly, it's hard to find bus drivers anymore. Not just here, but, I mean, there is a bus driver shortage, school bus driver shortage, around the country. So, Bob, you want to make some extra money? Not that way, no. If you're in Philadelphia uh, and you drive your kids to school, they'll pay you $300 a month. Since they can't get bus drivers, they're offering families $300 a month if instead of using the school buses, they, they just drive their kids to school. i got to tell you, when my kids were in school, now they took a public bus, I think. We didn't, they didn't do a lot of buses, but... I'm going to tell you right now, if, if, uh, if, if, if my kids, uh, no, they didn't take, no, I, I took public buses. My kids didn't. Um, if they invite, asked me to drive my kids to school and pay me 300 bucks a month, yeah, I'd be, absolutely. What about the other kids out on the ridge, Howard? At 300 bucks, 300, 300 bucks per, per, I would, you know, maybe. Well, I got some news for them. You're probably going to be late, kids. You get up really, really early. What are you trying Howard, to say, sir? I'm not saying anything, Howard. But just let be, me ask you this. Just because you drive, just because I've been driving lately. I better be careful because I, I. And I got to give you credit. You have not spoken up anywhere near as much as I thought you would. Well, because I'm, I'm at your mercy, Howard, and you've done a great job. Now, Howard, I don't know. We might have talked about this before. But, th- again, to show you just how times have changed, and you're going to think I'm exaggerating. I am not. Do you know what my bus driver used to encourage me to bring? Lunchbox? No, my deer rifle, Howard. Because Excuse me? <laughs> I swear to God, my deer rifle. On the bus. On the bus. Because, you know, the back. Did way, he want you to be like the sheriff of the bus and keep things under control? Well, in that days, to be fair, there just wasn't as many deer as there is now. The, the deer population was just starting to take off. So if you saw a big buck, that, that was something that, that stood out. And, you know, you wanted to get him. That was a real trophy. And there was a couple running on the ridges there, uh, the back way to Wheeling Park High School. And really, he even came and talked to my mom and said, look, I told him he could bring his deer rifle. I, I don't think that'll be a problem. I don't think that's a bad idea. And my mom said, are you nuts? He's not taking his deer rifle to school. Can you imagine what would happen today if a kid tried to walk on a bus with a rifle? I mean, the, the bus would be would be uh, surrounded. There would be SWAT teams there, right? I mean, we would be getting code red alerts from the schools, you know. It, and it, I said, Jack, what happened? He said, well, you know, I'll just let you out and, uh, you know, I'll come back it, later. He'd <laughs> take care of things. <laughs> is this a true story? That's a God's truth. That is the God's truth. The only reason I did because my mom let me, you know, I'm 15 years no, old. No, you're not taking your deer rifle on the school bus. Didn't I know? I'm sure you were, you were, and I mean this sincerely, I'm sure you were a competent, you know, you handled your rifle properly. I tried. I mean, did I make mistakes along the way? Absolutely. But, I was very, very fortunate. But we just talked, I think, either earlier today or yesterday about the fact that some of the biggest problems with guns are 
not criminals, but just the average citizen who has a gun and or like carries in his belly fat. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, or takes it on a school on a school bus. True story. Hey, Bobby, come up here. Come on. Don't be afraid. We had some big bucks wandering around here lately. I bet you'd like to have some of those. What? We'll keep it right here, and we see one. You know, you grab it. I'll let you off the bus, and I'll, I'll circle that, back. He pulls that lever. The door shoom, swing up, and Bobby grabs his, his gun. Now, today I'd be in trouble because doesn't the, the, the thing make a noise when the red light comes down and oh, the yeah, arm yeah, goes yeah. down? The deer would run everywhere you, now, listen, Howard. You took, I'm telling you right now, if you took your rifle on a school bus now, in fact, you know what? Honestly, the simple fact that we're having this conversation today may well mean I'm going to get a visit from Chief Schwarzfeger. I mean, it's, that's just, oh, my Lord. That was 1978, Chief. A long time ago. Actually, not that long time ago when you think about it. Ten till the hour here on the Watchdog Morning Show. With 11% off everything at Menards, protect your cargo with our selection of hitches, ratchet straps, and everything in between. We've got what you need to get your cargo there safely. The Smart Tri-Ball Mount Trailer Hitch has three different hitch ball sizes and is just $24.99 after 11% rebate. Good through September 4th, savings are mail-in rebate. Some exclusions apply. See store for details. You want a hospital rising up to the challenges of today's healthcare demands. WVU Medicine Wheeling Hospital delivers the right care right here at home. Developing new and exclusive services, recruiting top surgeons. We embody the mountaineer spirit, building upon strong traditions, pioneering medical care, moving forward with compassion. WVU Medicine Wheeling Hospital, delivering the right care, right place, right time. Hey there, Dave Weekly here. Metro News Hotline presents what's trending in sports, music, movies, tech, television, and more from a Mountain State point of view. Renowned local and national guests pepper the daily lineup with authoritative insights and commentary on a wide variety of topics from West Virginia high school sports to the financial markets. Join the fun. Every day, Coop and I dip into irreverent discussions with calls, texts, tweets, the question of the day, and the always popular in or out. Metro News Hotline, weekdays from 3 to 6 on Metro News, the voice of West Virginia. Oh, there's something so real about living local And I know without a doubt I'm not alone And I love living, living local There's nowhere else I'd rather be Said I love living, living local WTRF is working for me The Ohio Valley is where I love to be Conversations you care about with people you know. This is the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe on WKKX and WVLY. Brought to you by WVU Medicine. Just like the belly fat thing got me going last hour. I, I, I gotta I, before I move on. I, I gotta go back to young Bobby Slider being encouraged to bring his deer rifle on the school bus. So I have a, a couple of questions. Number one, were you the only one? It was like, did he just think you were the one that was, should do this? You were such a deer hunter that he wanted, or did was it like a free for all for everybody? You all could bring your. Well, no, he knew me. Again, he, he he wasn't a regular at the bar. I mean, he would frequent the bar, and that's kind of how the conversation. We should point out before that conversation goes any further, the reason Bob says the bar is not because he was going to the bar, 
but because the family had a bar. Yes, that was our business. Okay. The, the, the bar was our well, uh, business. Well, it sounded like you were just hanging no, out I, the bar. I was loafing there, but, you know, okay, it was, gotcha, uh, not as gotcha. a customer, just kind of like lo- loafing around. And what's your other question, Howard? Did you, did you leave it on the bus when you went into school? That was the game plan. You know, I was going to keep the— If your mom would let you. If my mom would have went with the original plan, I was going to not take—you know, what kind of animal you think I am, Howard? I wasn't going to take the gun into Wheeling Park High School. I was going to leave it on the bus for the ride home. The ride home would have been the same thing. We would have had our eyes out looking for a buck, and I was going to jump off the bus and see if I could get him. And the bus driver thought it would not be a bad thing. It was his idea. I no, mean, I'm so standing I get that. That's my point. He thought it would not be a bad thing to have, well, well you know, it was his bus. An unattended gun there on the bus during the It was his bus. He was in charge of, it was in charge of the bus. Again, it wasn't like I was taking the gun into the high school, Howard. No, I think I, so. So if your mom had let you, which she didn't, so this never did occur, but he, he, he suggested that you should bring your deer rifle on the bus so you could get yourself a good deer if we saw one. Absolutely, because, you know, we would occasionally see a big buck, Howard. And you would then just, like, the idea would be you just, like, leave it on the seat. Yeah, no problem. I trust him. Well, I had, you know, some kind of case. He just wouldn't leave it, you know, bang around. But, no, it had been right there. You you can picture If you left it just banging around, next thing you know, you'd be like the belly fat lady. Somebody's getting shot, yeah. But you could picture the school bus. He had a little compartment over there by him. The the gun would have fit nicely right there. And, and again, I'm not going to grab the gun unless we see a, a buck. Okay. I'm not going to be looking out the window with a gun in my hand. But, no, he said, look, we see a buck. That's a whole new. Jump off the bus. I'll I'll swing back around. It's a whole new element of Bob Slider that uh, that I I had never heard before. But 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 let's be clear. It didn't happen. Because my mom had the good sense that, again, I can't believe you would even think about that. Your bus driver said he wants you to do what? (laughs) Yes. Did she believe you? She knew him. She asked him. He sat right there at the bar. He said, oh, no, it's fine. (laughs) That's fine with me. Bobby can bring the gun on the bus. bus. He can do what the hell. It's my bus. I wonder uh, who was superintendent back then. Who was the the principal? It would have been Meraki, probably. Who was the principal at the time? Oh, they had a bunch of them. It would have been Blake. uh, DeFilippo would have been the big guy. uh, Holmes, Conley. Euro Holmes, yeah. Uh, Mr. Mr. D, I can picture (laughs) <laughs> Benicky. Well, Benicky would just come on the bus, grab that gun right out of your oh, hand. Oh, she'd and... have pistol whipped somebody. <laughs> they were all delightful people. I knew the early days of William Park High School, I knew all of those principals. They were really great guys. Um, all right. Uh, so, okay. Well, belly fat, Bob's gun on the bus. We have been many places I had not planned to be over the course of the show. Howard, I'm sure somebody in your day had a gun, a deer rifle on the bus to Tridelphia. Now, you didn't see a lot of deer down in that way like like you do today. You could kill a big buck yeah, down there today. Maybe. I don't recall that, but maybe. But maybe <laughs> You're maybe. the country boys, Howard. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, anyway, I'm glad that the uh, watchdogs are coming up next, the legislative watchdogs, because I'm hoping they will get into so many things I had planned to do this morning and we just got way, way off track. Maybe leave your notes there, Howard. Yeah. Uh, so a, a couple of things that I want to at least make sure that you are aware of. The, uh, the watchdogs may talk about it. We may pick up more details on tomorrow. Uh, the uh, Phi Beta Kappa chapter uh, in, in WVU may soon lose its accreditation. The National Academ- Academic Honor Society, Phi Beta Kappa, has said that the plan by the university to eliminate all the world languages would make it not a culturally good place and that it could not meet the high standards of academic and well-roundedness 
that uh, Phi Beta Kappa has. So they are they have expressed concern and said they may pull their uh, their membership. Uh, their, their chapter out of WVU. Meanwhile, the WVU Faculty Senate is considering, they have not yet voted, but they're holding a, a Faculty Senate meeting in a week or so on a vote of no confidence for E. Gordon Gee um, and a vote that the uh, whole this whole uh, cuts and reorganization thing be frozen in place until more conversation is, is given. Now, Gee did respond to that. He said, look, he said, I, we're gonna, this is going to go forward. I don't like to do it, but it has to be done. I gotta gotta make the cuts in order to make the money work. Um, but there is the potential for a faculty senate vote of no confidence. Now we have seen around here what votes of no confidence mean. Yeah, and nothing. I, I, but I think I had him pegged differently than you, Howard. I I, I think I'm completely wrong on uh, Gordon Gee. I I think. I had him pegged that he would stand up and say, look, I don't want to be a place where I'm not wanted. If you truly believe this, I don't agree with you, but I don't never want to put myself above the university. Just like he said Huggins was doing, I think he's doing the same thing. you got to listen I, to what the people are saying. I, well, who are the people? I mean, that's of the, the Senate of uh, the, the faculty well, Senate, the student. Uh, I don't think is anybody giving him a vote of confidence down no, there? I, no, but then again, I, we, we only hear we, we tend to only hear from the critics. No, I have not heard anybody say it's a good idea. Um, but E. Gordon Gee, uh, his comment, do I have it here? His comment basically was, um, I have to deal with the, the 10% of critics in order to support the 90% of students who will have a university to come to afterwards. Uh, I don't agree with his decisions whatsoever, um, but I, I, I don't know that it's dismissal time. Uh, and by the way, the final thing I want to mention, again, maybe the watchdogs will get into it, uh, Guy did change some of the proposals yesterday. After the appeals process went through and after the critics were heard, uh, they are going to keep some of the world languages, not all of them, but they will keep some of the world languages. Uh, they're cutting back on the, uh, the degree programs, uh, but they will keep some of the programs. In particular, it's interesting, in particular, they're going to make sure that there's plenty of, rec plenty of Spanish being taught because they call that a high-demand language and Chinese being taught because they call that a critical need language. Uh, I, I wish I had time to get into all of this today. If uh, if I, I, I may do it tomorrow. A lot, lot of stuff here, more details than what I was able to give you here in this 30-second precy. I had planned to spend, you know, 20, 30 minutes with this, but instead we got off on belly fat, so it happens sometimes. I got to get out of here. And Kerchival is away. Dave, Dave Wilson in at 10, 10 o'clock, and the Watchdogs are coming up next. See you all tomorrow. On your way to 7 a.m. 1370 WVLY Moundsville.